blessing it is to, to be able to be your guest this morning and to share our hearts. I just want to give a special thank you to Pastor Scott. I know he's uh, doing a wedding this weekend, but thank you also to Pastor Frank and uh, for, for just allowing us to be here today. And thank you for all that you are doing for missions. We see your heart for missions. From the moment we came into the into the your church this morning, we just sensed a heart after God for missions. And uh, we just want to thank you for having the heart of God for this world. Amen? Amen. Praise God. We are Mark and Mindy Gertis. You can just call us Mark and Mindy. But uh, we, we are just uh, um, excited about going to the mission field to the country of Mexico. We were just appointed last March by the Assemblies of God World Missions. And uh, we are excited to go. And Mindy's going to tell you a little bit about our family just to kind of get us started this morning. Good morning, everybody. It is great to be here with you. I think there might be a picture of our family. There we are. Okay. Uh, we have four beautiful children. Uh, we have one daughter who is our oldest. She's 25. She came home from graduating at, um, after college. She came home for a three-week vacation at the beginning of COVID and never left. Um, but it is nice to have her home with us. And she was living in Man Minneapolis, which is kind of a rough area at the time. So that's our Emily. Our next oldest is Ben. He is 23. He is in his fourth year at Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri. Um, our next one in the red with the killer smile is Jonathan, and he lives in Sydney, Australia. He goes to Hillsong College. Yeah. He's starting his third year um, audio engineering. And our youngest is Andrew on the end there. He is a senior in high school getting ready for college. Not sure what he's going to do yet, but definitely headed off to college somewhere. We've been married for it'll be 29 years in April. And we have been living the last 18 years in Ionia, just down 96, a few miles, more than a few miles. And uh, we did pastor there for 17 and a half years. Before that, we pastored in Lake City, Michigan for seven, and we spent three years in the northern Missouri pastoring. So if you add it up, we've been pastoring for 27 years. Wow. So it was 32 years ago, I went on my very first mission trip to Mexico City. How many have been on a mission trip before? Wow, that is incredible uh, to see so many of you go up, have gone on mission trips. And I just encourage you, if you've never gone on one, go on one. It'll change your life. It is so fun going on a mission trip. How many found that to be true? And it is life-changing. I went on that trip to Mexico City. While I was there, God spoke to me in a service and said, this is what you're going to be doing the rest of your life. And I said, God, you got the wrong guy. Because I had my own plans. I, I grew up on a farm in, in Minnesota. I had been born in Wheaton Hills, Minnesota. I thought I was going to farm and I followed my dad's footsteps. But God said, no, I want you to farm for me in my field. And so I had this tug of war conversation between me and God and kind of Moses conversation. Tried to talk God out of it. Anybody ever have that conversation with God? Tried to convince the Lord that you've got the wrong guy. And God said, nope, I got the right one what I want you to do, and I finally gave it to God and said, Lord, if this is what you really want me to do, then I'll, I'll do it, and totally changed my plans, went to North Central Bible College, and the, the rest is history, we'll tell you a little bit more of that story, but while we were on that trip to Mexico City, one of the days that we were there, we went to minister at the city dump, and you might wonder, why in the world would you go to the city dump? Well, believe it or not, there were people that were actually living there at the city dump. And I'll never forget seeing cardboard boxes for homes and pieces of tin that were put together. And that was their home that they lived in. And I'll never forget seeing family members and even children literally digging through the trash, looking for some sign of hope, even for something to eat. And it just did something right here in my heart, and it has stuck with me all of these years. I don't know if you realized it or not, but 42% of those who live in Mexico live on only $1 a day. That's about a bottle of water. There's 22 million children right now in Mexico that are living in 
poverty, and many of them are living in extreme poverty, where they don't know where their next meal is coming from, they don't have access to a doctor, and they don't even have access to a bathroom. Now, how many of us here at least have at least one bathroom at home, right? Many of these kids don't even have access to one. It's hard to imagine that kind of poverty, isn't it? It's just incredible. And so these children are living without hope. 22 million of them in Mexico. But this is where Jesus comes in. How many know that Jesus is the hope? So we will be working with an organization called Cloud Hope. If you've been around the Assemblies of God for a while, you may know it as that American Child Church. Child Hope is the largest evangelical school system within Latin America. There are currently about 300 schools within Latin America servicing about 100,000 children. There have been about a million kids that have gone through the program so far. In Mexico, however, the program is still in its infancy stages. There are only six in the country that is the 10th largest in the world. And like Mark was saying, 42% of those people live in extreme poverty. So child comes alongside these very, very impoverished children through sponsorship programs, and they provide them with an education that they would not have otherwise gotten. They provide them with that medical care, and the dental care, and the food. Some of them, that is the only meal that they get in a day. I can't even imagine. When we're hungry, we go to the fridge. When they're hungry, they're hungry. And so Jesus came, not only to preach the good news, but also to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, right? And to heal and to feed. Think of the miracles that he did. And so we have the opportunity to reach these people for Jesus, to reach these precious children and to give them the hope. And what's really, really exciting, they catch Jesus, they get Jesus, they get Jesus in their heart. And they also bring that hope of Jesus and the knowledge of Jesus and the love of Jesus to their family. Whole families are getting saved. Communities are being changed through this program. We're so excited that we get to be a part of it. We also pastored for 27 years, as we said, and so they have asked us if we would also come alongside some of the younger pastors and help mentor them, and also to help with church planting in the city of Guadalajara. Believe it or not, Mexico, uh, in reality, has become known as the forgotten mission field. Uh, there's a great article on their table out there in Foyer uh, about that. It talks about how um, 82% of the people who live in Mexico are religious, but in many parts of Mexico, for instance in Guadalajara, where we're going to be serving the second largest metro area in Mexico, about 10 million people live in that area, Guadalajara area, and about only 2% of them have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So they're very, very lost, and we we need to go and bring them the hope of Jesus Christ. There's many communities in the Guadalajara area, believe it or not, that don't even have a Bible-believing church in. And so we want to come alongside the national church and help plant some more churches in this area of, of the country and, and Mexico so that these people can come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. How many know that they deserve to hear the good news of Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. So we want to be about that. We want to bring them the hope. And that's what we're about, bringing hope to the people and children of Mexico. And uh, so we are thrilled to be able to do that and to step out in faith. We are trusting God to be um, leading in January of next, next year. Right now we're at about 40%. So would you pray with us that the remaining 60% will come in quickly? And that we will be released to be able to go in January. We have one year of language school and then we go to Guadalajara. We can't get there fast enough because we're finding out that the missionary that we were going to be replacing uh, had to come out of the field because of health reasons. 
So would you pray for Eva Velvet that God would touch her? She's dealing with leukemia, and she just needs a touch of God in her body. And, and uh, also dealing with heart issues right now. We're praying that God would touch her so that she can return to the field and finish her, her work there. We really need her to be there so that she can pass the baton on to us. But we need to get there as soon as we possibly can. So pray with us that we will be able to, to get there in God's time. Amen? Amen. God's timetable. So uh, we just encourage you to uh, grab a prayer card, put us on your fridge and your Bible, pray for us. When you see it, you can go online to Facebook, um, if you're online on Facebook, to our Facebook group page called Mark and Mindy's Journey to Mexico. Or if you'd like to follow us a little closer, you can sign up for a newsletter, and we'll send you a newsletter. You can pray for us and follow our ministry and, uh, and so forth. So that's all out in the foyer, and uh, grab some M&Ms, and remember to pray for M&M. All right? When you do, okay? Thank you so much. God bless you guys. How many are ready for the word this morning? Come on. Amen. I've got a message to share with you this morning. I'm going to share more of our story as we get into the word of God. But turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 14. And as you're turning there, those very children that I saw at the city dump, those are the very children that we have the privilege of going back to Mexico now, 32 years later, to bring the hope of Christ to. Isn't that exciting? Praise God. God's in the details. God uses everything in our life. Amen? He uses everything. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. It says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your love reached out to us and saved us. Thank you, Lord, that, that, Lord, that your love sent you to the cross and now it sends us into this world into our neighborhoods, into our communities, to reach other people with the love of Christ. Lord, I pray that today, by the time we walk out of this place, that every one of us would feel compelled by you to take your love to those that desperately need to hear it. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said,
sin that we or the people that God has called them to in India. And it just spoke to me. And I remember him calling people forward in that service to come forward as they felt God calling them to do something for the Lord. I went forward. And I had this, I admired him. I, I had this thought, man, I would love to do something like that someday. I had no idea that God was calling me at that point to be a missionary. But God was using that. And I remember that man weeping and how much it moved me. I don't know if you knew this or not, but Mark, when things didn't really want to go to India, he went because he was compelled to go. He went out of obedience. God gave him a love for those dear people in India. What is, that's what compelled looks like. You do something that you ordinarily wouldn't do. What else does it look like? But two years later, I had a dream. And in this dream, I had this huge, massive hand came out of heaven, came out of the sky, lifted me up to heaven. And I'll never forget seeing Jesus in that dream. And it was incredible. The Bible talks about that he reflects the radiance of God's glory. He does. He was so majestic and incredible. It was just, I just couldn't stop looking at him. It was amazing. And I remember seeing the most beautiful colors. And I remember hearing the most beautiful sounds. And the most beautiful music. Sounds and music I had never heard. Colors I had never, so vivid that I had never seen. It was like I had never seen before. Heaven is filled with wonderful, beautiful music and sounds. And the most beautiful colors. And most of all, with Jesus that's there. And it was just awesome. Everybody was so happy and at peace. Nobody was in need. Nobody didn't have a care. Everybody was just so fulfilled. It was wonderful. And then that hand brought me back down to earth. And I just started weeping. I started crying because I wanted to be back up in heaven so bad. See, friends, I believe that's what it's like for our loved ones who have gone on to be with Jesus in heaven and they're experiencing the manifest glory of God, of Jesus in heaven. They would not want to leave his presence to come back to this place in his fallen state. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen? What a beautiful, and that's where we're going. How many are going to heaven? Hallelujah. Praise God. That's what we get to look forward to. And so I'm crying and I'm weeping because I so desperately wanted to be back up in heaven. And that huge hand appeared again and brought me back up to heaven again. And I saw Jesus again. And I was so thankful to be back there. And I was so happy again. And then Jesus spoke to me in this dream. He was he was speaking said to me this. He said, Mark, this is a wonderful place, isn't it? And I said, yes, it is. And he said, I don't want anybody to miss out on this place. Mark, would you work for me so that other people can come to this place too? And I said, yes, I will work. I never knew that Jesus was calling me to be a missionary at that point, but I just knew that there was something that he was calling me to do. That dream has stuck with me all these years. And I felt compelled by Jesus to work for him so that other people could go to heaven. How many know that's real? What does compelled look like? It looks like this. A couple years ago, we had an interesting situation happen in our backyard. We had a kitten stuck up in a tree about 30 feet up in the air in the middle of our backyard. The fire trucks, they get to it. 
He was up there not wanting to do things. He was up there a whole week. He thought he was going to fall off that tree and die, you know, of thirst. And we took two and I put it at the base of the tree, called that tree down, she wouldn't come down. Eva went out to that tree and commanded her in the name of Jesus to come down out of that tree. It was like Zacchaeus. <laughs> Prayed her down. And, and the next day she did finally come down and disappeared for a couple weeks, but then she reappeared in our backyard a couple weeks later and hunting for birds or whatever. And she was just getting bones. And I took some kitty food and went out to her. And I held it out in my hand and she came running and ate it right out of my hand. And she started hustling up to me and loving on me and giving me all kinds of kitty kisses. And, and we've always had one cat at home. And I've always told Brittany, let's just have one, only one. <laughs> and we have, we have a dog as well. And you kind of know where this is going. <laughs> I just, this kitty is just getting my heart. She's working hard to come home, to live with us, love, you know, loving on me. And I, I turned around and I looked at Min and I said, can we keep her? <laughs> and she said, mm-hmm. <laughs> we named her Pickles because she gets herself in pickles. And came to live with us and she's a beautiful calico and we call her Psycho Kitty sometimes too because she does crazy things and she's a very loving cat. But I was compelled to take that kitty in, willing to do something that I ordinarily wouldn't do. That's what compelled looks like. Paul said, we are compelled. The love of Christ compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. Paul was convinced of two things. First of all, he was convinced, he was totally convinced that Jesus was the savior of not just some, but he was the savior of all. Yeah. How many believe that to be true, amen? He's the savior of all, the whole world, amen. Jesus came not just to save some, but he came to save the whole wide world, and he was totally convinced that there was no other savior, no other salvation outside of the savior. He was convinced that Jesus was the only hope for this world. How many know that there is no other name given unto man by which we must be saved? Jesus is the only hope for this world. And friends, we've got, if we've got Jesus, we've got the best news that this world could ever know. So God has called us to give that news, that best news to this world. And the love of Christ, the love of Christ that is reaching out to those that don't know God is compelling us. It compels us to go and take his love to this world. Friends, when we're convinced of those things, when we're convinced that Jesus is the only hope for this world, this love will compel us to go to our neighbors, our family members, our co-workers, even maybe across overseas to take his love to somebody that needs to hear about it. What does compelled look like? It, it looks like a couple years ago. But before I tell you the story, we went to, I went to North Central, as I shared earlier, to train for the ministry, graduated with a mission degree. Back then, there's something that God always encouraged their missionaries to get pastoral experience, they still do, which is very invaluable on the field. Pastoral experience is a huge help to missionaries on the field. So we thought we'd pastor for a few years and then go on the mission field. For two or three years, ended up becoming 27 years. And we raised our family and felt, didn't feel any direction from the Lord, no mandate that it was time to go. And we just continued to pastor and do what the Lord had told us to do. In the meantime, 
And we were like wondering, God, what about worship healing? We thought, we heard that you had called us to be missionaries. What if it's going to happen? And we even got discouraged about it, wondering if we would ever make it to the mission field. But we continued to be faithful to do what God called us to do in the meantime. How many know that it's a journey? Amen? It's not just a destination. It's a journey. Our life is a journey of God. God orders our steps, but he also orders our stops. There's a reason why you're here right now doing what you're doing. Because God has orchestrated it. He has ordained it. There's a reason for it. Amen? So there was a reason why we had pastored those numbers of years. God was using it all for preparation. We had worked in schools for 20 years. God had used all of that for, pre for preparation for our assignment. Working with all these children. See, you never, you never know what God is doing to fulfill his calling on your life. So we were praying, God, about six, seven years ago, that God began to stir our hearts. We felt the transition was coming. We felt God was saying, it's, the time is coming now when you're going to go to the field. We went on some more mission trips, went to Guatemala, ministered in an orphanage. God continuing to stir our hearts. Every missionary that we had come to our church, I am crying as a pastor. I'm trying to get through the service and hold it together. And I've been sensing God stirring our hearts to go. And I'm saying, God, not one day early. I don't want to leave one day sooner or one day later from the pastor. I want this to be you. God, would you make it clear when it's time for us to go? So two years ago, we were on our way to sleeping their dunes. How many have been there to sleep in their dunes before? And on the way there to sleep in their dunes, we stopped to get a bite to eat and got back on the road. We were just outside of Buha, almost there to sleep in their dunes. And we got back on the road, and because we stopped, that put us right behind a major motorcycle accident that had just occurred. It involved two people. The cycle left the road, and we came upon Cyclists, other cyclist friends that were standing in the road and they were completely distraught. We knew it was a very serious accident. We pulled over, third part of the ride, and just started praying. And I began to feel compelled to get out of the car and go pray and minister. But I have to admit, I was holding back because I'm a little bit squeamish. Well, I can just, I can pray. There's a lot of people helping them. You know, I'm just going to take the reins. We can just stay in the car and pray. So I stayed in my comfort zone and just continued to pray until my wife, Mindy, voiced what the Holy Spirit was saying to me. And she said, You need to get out of the car and go pray and minister to them. You're a pastor. So now I was under all this conviction. <laughs> I obediently went, and the Lord helped me. The man had passed away almost instantaneously. We had already laid a sheet over him. But they were working with this woman by the road side there. And they were all around her trying to help her. And I felt the Holy Spirit just compelling me. Go pray for her. Let me know when it's the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you touch her and raise her up and help these, and pray for the workers that were, the people that were trying to help her. There was actually an EMT person right behind her in the accident. God orchestrates everything. He's in the details. And so I'm praying. Continuing to pray for her. Pretty soon they're doing CPR on her. And I'm praying, oh God, would you have mercy? Would you just touch this woman? Lord, would you just raise her up and, and heal her? 
just speak life and healing over her right now in the name of Jesus. And just pray, Lord, you are the resurrection and the life. He that believes in you, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And just spoke that in my own simplicity, just out of my own humanness. I'm just trying the best that I can do to pray a prayer of faith over her. Just quoting the word of God. Lord, touch her, raise her up in the name of Jesus. And I'm not realizing it, but they're no longer doing CPR on her. And I'm just continuing to pray. And then I, and it finally occurs to me that after about 10 minutes of them doing CPR, they stopped doing CPR, but they were still working with her. And I finally realized they got her back. They got her back. And I was just thanking God and just praising the Lord for what had just happened. That she had been gone. She was dead for probably about 10 minutes. And, and they were able to get her back. And I was just thanking the Lord for what had just transpired, what had just happened. And just taking in all of this and the seriousness of that moment. And I just said, thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to be here today. And he said, no. Mark, he said it was no mistake that you were here today. It was a divine appointment. It was a matter of life or death for this young woman. They desperately needed somebody to be here to pray for them. How many know there are divine appointments in our lives? Amen? You never know when a divine appointment is going to happen. But Jesus wants to use you in those times, in your own simplicity. And just to pray the prayer of faith or minister to that person and tell them their, your testimony of Jesus. It's the love of Christ that compels you in those moments, right? Yeah. It was the love of Christ compelling me. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me really clearly. And he said, you, you know, Mark, you and Mindy have been waiting to go to the mission field. And he said, there's people that are waiting to come and minister to them, and they cannot wait any longer. It's a matter of life or death eternally for them. Just like it was for this couple. It's a matter of life eternally for them. And you need to go. The time to go is now. The time is now. The time is now. I just kept hearing reverberate in my spirit. The time is now. The time is now. That moment on that roadside was a life-changing moment for me. I got back into the car and told Mindy what had happened. And we didn't tell anybody else what had taken place. And a few days later, a lady came up to me in church and she said, Pastor, I gotta talk to you. And she said, Pastor, now, the very words that I heard on that roadside. And she said, in fact, Pastor, it's not just the time is now, it's the fullness of time. It's the fullness of time, Pastor. God is calling you to minister to the nations, and you need to obey that call and go. And she said, I, we had been there for 17 and a half years, and she said, I really don't even want to tell you that, but I really We didn't, I want to tell you that because we want you. We don't want to leave you as our pastor. But I needed to be obedient. And I thanked her. And Mindy and I were talking later that night. I knew that we had entered the ministry 25 years to the to that, that, that time of the month. It was in September. I knew it was the third Sunday. So we went back and Google Calendar 25 years. And sure enough, the very day that that lady shared with us that word. And she said, it's the time is now, it's the fullness of time. It was the very day that we had entered the ministry, 25 years earlier. It was our very first Sunday. How many know God is never late? Amen. Never early, never late. He is always on time. I want to tell you, friends, that God is ordering the steps of your life. He is orchestrating events and things in your life, divine appointments, 
There is a calling on each and every one of us in this yeah. room. Come on. We may not be called to go um, as a missionary overseas, but God has most certainly called each and every one of us in this room to do the work of missions Hallelujah. wherever we're at. Amen. Amen. So do the work of missions right here in St. Clair Shores. You are right dead center in the middle of a mission field where so many people don't know Jesus. They're lost and the need is desperate and they need to hear about Jesus because it's a matter of life or death eternally for them. And they've got to have a chance to hear about Jesus so they don't miss out on heaven. Uh -huh. Amen? If we truly believe that there's a place called hell, it will motivate us, it will compel us to tell the love of Christ, will compel us to tell other people about Jesus. Amen? It's the love of Christ that compels us to do these things and sends us and catapults us into our world. And I just want to encourage you, God wants to use you in your own simple way. God wants to use you in, in different divine appointments that happen in your life, in your, in your workplace, in your families, among your friends. Sometimes we think of missions being always overseas, but sometimes missions work is simply across the street. My neighbor, amen? So let God use you. Let God speak through you. Let God speak life through you into the lives of others. Why? Why are we compelled? Because Christ commands us to go. It's not the great suggestion, it's the great commission. Amen? Jesus has commanded us to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. We've got to. Secondly, we're indebted to the nations. We owe it to this world. If we have Jesus, we owe Jesus to them. We're in debt to this world. How many know what I'm saying? Amen? Thirdly, there's 4.5 million lost people in this world still that don't know Jesus Christ, that are on their way to an eternity without Jesus in heaven. How many know that they need to desperately hear about Jesus? We have a job to do. We have a work to do. Why are we compelled? Because there's no plan B. You and I are it. Amen? Jesus is dependent on you and me to finish his work. He went to heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit to be with us and to help us and to empower us to take this gospel. Yeah. He's looking to you and me to finish his work on this earth. And then he'll come. Then the end will come. Why has Jesus not come back yet? Because he's waiting for one more. Why are you and I still here? Because he's not finished with you and me yet on this earth. We have a job to do. Amen? To join him in his mission. And lastly, because why are we compelled? Because this world is running out of time. This world is literally running out of time. And so this morning, as I close, we feel compelled. to go and minister to these kids that need help, that need Jesus, that need the good news of Jesus Christ to take the gospel to them. And my heart for you is that God would compel you to take the gospel to your loved ones, to your people, to your neighborhoods, to your co-workers. Do the work of missions. Amen. Amen. Do the work of God bless you for all that you're doing to send missionaries around the world. God bless you for all that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for going yourself to the people that desperately need Jesus in life as well. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you're sending, that you came to this world. That's the, your So send us, Lord, to these desperate people. And I pray that you would use each and every one of us, God. I pray that if there's anybody in this room right now that sent here, 
moving them to do something more for you that they'll need you for. If there's anybody in this room that sense a calling on their life and they've been saved, God, would you confirm that even right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we surrender to you and we say yes. Yes. We're willing to do what you would have us to do because your love compels us. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Pastor. You stay up here for a second, actually. Can we give up for Mark and Andy? I mean, come on. What a good word that was. Um, I didn't ask you to do this earlier, but um, ultimately, we want to pray for you and Andy before you leave. But then secondly, I'd love that you challenge us at the end. If you're in a second, I want to call some friends up that feel compelled and take that actual step, physical step. Will you pray over them when I call them up here? Come on. Church, you know, I, I, I think about I think about the legacy a lot in, in Scripture. The legacy that the Israelites left, God's chosen people. And when I study it, there's one part in that legacy that gets me every single time, and it says that there's a whole generation that doesn't know the word of God. And it kills me. It breaks my heart. Because just like he said, we're called to go. The calling is already there. But we need some people, some brave people to step up and say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. Just like he said, you don't have to go to other countries. There are people in next door, in your workplaces, in school, that are hurting, that are lost, that need to know who Jesus is. And are we going to be a church that sits in the pews and waits for them to come to us on Sunday morning? Are we going to answer the Great Commission and say, no, we're going to go. And we're going to tell people. And everything that comes out of our mouth is going to glorify God. And we are going to raise people up. We are going to pour life into them. So here in a second, I'm going to say go. And if this is you, I want you to stand up. And I want you to flood this altar. But if you are someone who feels compelled, that feels called, the calling's already there, but if you feel it and you know that you have to go, whether it's telling your cousin who always asks you for money to tell them about Jesus, you need to go. That neighbor that you are so afraid to go out to your car and get your groceries because they're out there and you're like, I'm going to be stuck in this conversation for hours and you feel called to go. The people who sit next to you in the office that needs to know Jesus and you need to go. If that's you, I need you to stand up when I say no and come to this altar. The call is already there. The anointing is already there. You just need to answer the call. You need to feel compelled and say, yes, Lord, I'll go. So on the count of three, if that's you, I want you to come down to this altar. Mark and Andy can come and join us actually, and they're going to pray over you. That compelling, they're going to pray over that calling, that anointing that God has given you. And then at the end, if you feel um, comfortable coming down and raising a hand with Mark and Andy, we're going to pray and send them off. Does that sound good? On the count of three, if that's you, I want you to come down to this altar. One, two, three, go. Come on, church. Answer the call. Father, I thank you, Lord, for each and every one of these, Lord, this morning, oh God, that have said yes, yes to you. Lord, that's all you're waiting for. You're just looking for somebody who's, who's saying, yes, here am I. Send me. Lord, you're looking. Who will go for us? Who should we send? I think of that passage, Lord. Lord, there's a desperation. There's a clarion call going out right now in this hour. Who will go for us? Lord, and we say, yes, here am I. Send me. I surrender to you, to your will, whatever it is. Father, I pray right now for these that have said, yes, we sense you stirring our hearts. We don't know maybe even what it is, 
But God, we are saying we are here and we are responding to your call on our life. And whatever it is that you would have us do, we are willing to go and do it, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would take away all fear, take away all concern or weary, worry or doubt, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that right now that you would confirm in the name of Jesus that this is the Lord. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to their hearts, oh God, and calling them and confirming them just as you did that day when I was in that car. You told me, get out of your comfort zone. Lord, I pray that you would help us to get out of our comfort zone. Get out of the boat. Because when we can get out of the boat like Peter did, you'll do a miracle. You'll do things that blow our mind that we, we just never dreamed that you could do. You'll take us on an adventure, a journey, Lord, that we just never imagined. Lord, there's people that desperately need you. So, Jesus, I pray right now, we say yes to you. We, we ask that you would send us to these dear people, oh God. Lord, I pray that you would place a special grace and anointing upon every one of these servants, oh God, in this room, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that fear would be vanquished, oh God, that boldness would come in the name of Jesus, that we would speak your word boldly, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that there would be a holy boldness that would rise up within us and that we would not be afraid of people. The fear of man, Lord Jesus, would crumble, Lord God, and that we, Lord Jesus, would, would step out in faith and, and get out of our comfort zone and say, yes, use me. So, Lord, I pray, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will speak the hearts of God right now in this place. Maybe things that you're laying on our hearts to do. Here we are, Lord. We surrender ourselves to you. To your will and to your way. Have your way in us this, this day, Lord Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would make it clear, Lord Jesus. Let, that you would make it clear. And, Father, that as we step out, Lord God, Lord, we may not know everything. But sometimes we have to take that first step. And then you begin to show us the rest of the picture. So, Lord, we take that first step today. And we say yes to that today. And I pray that there will be people saved, brought into the kingdom of God as a result of this altar call this morning, oh God. Father, I pray that even that there will be Lord, in this room, maybe some being called into missions, that God, that you would you would do that this morning in this place, that you would confirm that in the name of Jesus. And Father, we give you all the glory, we give you all the praise, Lord Jesus. Send us to those that desperately need you, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that you're going to fill our mouth and give us the words to say when it's time to say it, Father. And we just give you all the praise and the thanks and the glory. And Lord, when we get to heaven, we'll, we'll give you all the praise and thanks, Lord Jesus. When, we, when, we, when these people come up to us and say, thank you. Thank you for giving of yourself for the Lord. Lord Jesus, I can't imagine what that's going to be like. So Lord, we just surrender to Today. We just surrender today. Did everybody just say this morning, here I am, Lord? Use me. Send me. Send me. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Here's what I want us to do. I want to stand up too and extend an arm. We're going to pray over Mark and Mindy. We're going to ask God that he just blesses their ministry. Jesus, you are just so good. 
And Lord, thank you for sending people like Mark and Vicky to a place that needs you so desperately, Lord. Lord, I just pray that, Jesus, you already start to begin to stir something in Mexico. You already begin to do something in the hearts of the people of Mexico right now, Jesus. That we're not just waiting for them to get there, but you do something right now. You send your Holy Spirit before them, Jesus, and you begin to soften hearts, Lord. Jesus, I pray right now that you give Mark and Vicky such confidence knowing that you have called them, Lord, knowing that you have sent them, Lord, Lord, that they are anointed with your Holy Spirit, Jesus, and Lord, any doubt, any fear, any anxiety, anything that is not of you, you crush it, you abolish it, you destroy it in the name of Jesus, Lord. And Lord, as they enter this new country, Jesus, Lord, will you already begin to make a way? Will you already begin, Jesus, to help their ministry? Will you already begin the healing process? Will you already begin the miracle process, Jesus? Because in you, Jesus, nothing is impossible. And we are praying for any man, woman, and child to hear the name of Jesus. To hear the good news, Lord, that their lives are changed forever. Jesus, bless them. Bless their finances, Lord. Bless their family. Bless their spirit. Bless their heart, Jesus. As they go, they know they are called, and they are compelled, Jesus, to go. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we love you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Come on, church. Let me keep the great commission up. And we're going to say this together. But listen, when we say this this morning, I want you to say it like you're compelled, like you're called, like you're ready to shake the earth and the ground with Jesus' name. Are you ready to say this together, church? Come on. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Come on, church, it's going to be a great day. Go enjoy some brunch or whatever you're going to do for brunch. Go enjoy some time with family. Pastor Scott will be back next week, and this is going to be a great message. We will see you next week.